This is CliffCentral.com. Good afternoon. My name is Sonia Booth. Welcome to the Opinion Booth. My guest is from Alexandra Township, a.k.a. Gomorra. And you better believe she is petrified of rats. <laughs> ah, she did it. The way I'm so afraid of rats, just as I was about to park my car, I saw one going the same direction. Now curious me is checking Lizzo Pelelapi. Lomchita umile on the side where I must get off. My stomach is turning with fear. You and tweet. <laughs> Simpiwe, aka Shoti, aka Canavaro, Intombi, Yaguazuzu. Welcome to the opinion booth. Huh. Such an introduction. Oh my gosh. Thank you. How are you? I'm alright. Are you embarrassed? Are you blushing? <laughs> I'm imagining the rat. How, how, did, how did you survive living in. Alex, and yet you're scared of rats. It, it doesn't make sense. Well, when I grew up, they were not. <laughs> I must be honest. Anyone who grew up in Alex during my time will tell you, Guti, they were there, but not as huge as they are now. Now, now they're eating. They're not you? eating uh, salads. Now they're eating what? Sonia, when when you when you come and it faces you, yeah. The most fearful will run. <laughs> and half the time it would be me. Too good. <laughs> it doesn't run. It just jogs. So like, it doesn't run. It doesn't run. It's as big as a cat. Uh, I know. No, I know. Yo. I know. Cause I spent, I spent many of my years in, in Alex during Yo. school holidays. You know, <laughs> mom used to send us to my uncles or my aunts. You know, I have an aunt and an Alex, uh, and uncle, English, I told you, English is not loyal. <laughs> for who? <laughs> English for who? Mm. So now you referred to this red as Lumchita. Translated, this dude. <laughs> you made my day. That, that, that was, that was the best treat of the day, by the yeah. way. Mm. So now your nickname is Shorty. And yet you've played right back slash defender. I mean, I would have expected you in midfield. I think because I, currently I also tell my players, you can't be short and slow, short and not agile, short and not be able to jump. So I, I carried that with me. Those were my, my best attributes when I was playing. I was fast. I could jump as high as, you know, so I also played center back at some time, at some point. So I've just been that girl. Ankhulegi sor. Mm. for who? Because I mean, I, I, I know in order for you to prove um, when, when you started playing for the national team was that you you availed yourself to play every position except goalkeeper, right? Yeah, I but, did. I did. I've been at right wing, at left wing. I've been at centre mid a bit because growing up I used to play centre mid. You know, in my clubs and all of that, I played centre mid. And the national team came and the coach said, uh, "We don't have a left back." I said, "I'm here." I would learn how to kick with that left foot, and I do kick without thinking. So, yeah, when you're hungry, you just, as long as I'm able to control the ball, pass, dribble, think, play, that's it. Then Scissor specialize later on. Mm-hmm. And now, this Cannavaro, where does that come from? Cannavaro uh, used to be one of the best center backs in the world. Uh, he played for Italy. He was captain. He was short and playing centre back. The only defender to win Ballon d'Or 
in the history of football. And when I looked at him, I saw myself in there and I said, shot for who? You know, and I liked how he played. I liked his leadership qualities. I enjoyed watching him play. So I thought, hmm, why not? Nimu Kanavar. And it, it's a nice surname. It is. <laughs> it, it sounds mafia-like. You know? Yeah, it's Italian. For someone who's so, from Gomorrah, it sounds very mafia-like. Yeah, hello. Chikisamanji. Lumchita. Uh, I'll, I'll never look at rats the same the same next time I see them. You know, every time I'm going to be seeing rats now, I'm going to be thinking, Lumchi, da umile. You know, this dude is just chilling here and I need to cross the road. So now you made history by becoming South Africa's first former footballer to lead a national team to World Cup qualification. The under-17 women's team is playing in Uruguay in November because of you. That must have done incredible things for your CV and profile. I think being a woman in, in football, especially in South Africa, or women in sports in general, we work so hard that even when there's light at the end of the tunnel, sometimes you don't really see it. You don't absorb and celebrate it as much because we are so used to working hard. When good things happen, it's like, what's next? What can I do better? What can I do more? You know, but uh, this one has certainly said to me, it has validated my dreams. It has said to me all the hard work, all the heart aches, all the stresses, the struggles, they were all worth it. And all that's to come, you deserve it, you know. And I I saw it as a victory for any woman in sport that is out there who's being told you don't belong, who's been told you'll never amount to anything, you won't be able to get it. And that's how I celebrate it. And each day I wear it and I remind myself, it's not by chance that I'm there. Um, God blessed me with such a team of girls that love football so much and it put me there at the right time to say, go out there and just do your best and I'll do the rest. And I, and I took that and I ran with it. Very disciplined, determined, and you continue to persevere. I hope a lot of the young girls are going to be listening to it and they're going to be taking that inspiration and motivation to another level. So now, speaking of the national team, the under-17 women's team is called Bandwana. We have Amajimbos for the under-17 men's. Amajida for the under-20 men's. Bafana, Bafana, Banyana, Banyana, etc. When I hear Bandwana, the first thing that comes to mind is, Zirati girls. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get Majimbos and Majida, which is Tzotzital which is mostly associated with gangsters and thugs, much like the Uzi brand. <laughs> don't you think we need to rebrand? I don't know who named the teams. I mean, the under-20s are Basitzana. I don't know who named the teams, maybe because the first teams that were there were Bafana Bafana and the opposite was seen as Banyana Banyana. And... Uh, because they are younger. I mean, if you look at Nigeria, it's the Falcons, the Falconets, you know. So um, I think it, it's derived from that, you know. Maybe in years to come, it'll it'll change. But who names these teams? I don't know who named the team. You know, you get other national teams who are nicknamed the, the Eagles, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, if you look at Nigeria, they're the Eagles, the women are the Falcons. 
And so it's the opposite. If you look at it, it's also the same way. Bafana, Bafana, Banyana, Banyana, the Eagles, Super Eagles, the Falcons and the, uh, under 20s are the Falconets. So, I don't know. I'd rather an eagle than boys, boys. <laughs> abafana, abafana. I mean, really, these are grown men who are being called boys, boys. You know, some, most of these guys have got kids, you know. Anyway, let's move along because we're not about to talk about the rebranding. <laughs> I tried. I was hoping that you were going to let something out of the bag. But yeah. So now, you were the ladies head coach at Tax for six years. And in that time, you were crowned the Gauteng champions in 2014. That is for the University Sports South Africa. Every university in the U.S. offers football for women. How is the support for women's football adversity level here in South Africa? Um, because I've been exposed to club level and um, university level, university has more structure. There's more support because there's stability there. You know, that building is not just there, yeah, but it actually says there's direction, you know. So if things are done are done properly, there's contracts there. I mean, for example, if I'm coaching girls there and they're studying there, I know that I have to offer them bursaries. I know that I have to make sure that there's transport for them compared to a Lokshini where um, in a team, you probably have to pop out 20 rands to make sure that you fill up that kumbi to go to a, a, a match. Adversity, uh, in adversity structure, the university takes care of that. Paying the referee, making sure there's kit and all of that. The struggles are not as hard uh, compared to club level. Um, although um, challenges will always be there um, because... Of the stature or the standard of women's football is not as high as it should be in South Africa when you compare it to the other countries and stuff like that. So, um, university level is bigger and better because there you also have an opportunity to study. I mean, when I started playing at Rao, which is UJ now, I was in grade 10. And already there I knew if I was to play for that team adversity, automatically they would give me a bursary I'd get in. So it's the same thing. When I was coaching at Tux, if I got players that were out of university and they were in school, already I was lining them up to be adversity. So there's more structure, there's more support, better support, and it's consistent. Because in clubs, it's easy for players to leave and do whatever they like. But in the university setup, there's more accountability there and more so you find there's more progression because you are pushing them to say you have to study, you have to play, what's next? Everything is structured compared to when you're in club level, though now the clubs are picking up and becoming better. But adversity, there's more advantages and benefits. And I mean, you, you made appearances for the under-20 women's national team and you are now the assistant coach. What can we learn from USA, Brazil, Germany and North Korea? Um... You you are even talking of the powerhouses. I was looking at the World Cup now and I'm looking at Haiti. If you were to ask a person, does football exist in Haiti, they would tell you, no, there's always natural disasters and all of that. But actually, they have better development structures now. And you see, I'm not even talking of the big 
teams, countries, Germany and all of them where there's so much structure, what we should be learning from these countries is that they are really appreciating talent that is there in the country and making sure that with the talent that's there, what's the next step, which means there has to be a plan in place. A plan does not mean today, tomorrow we are playing qualifiers, then we fail or we don't fail, then it's always what's next. But a plan is a five-year plan. I mean, long-term athlete development is very important because you are looking at a player in year one for her to compete in year four. Already in the three years that she's competing and getting better and better, you are building somebody that will be able to, you know, um, compete at the highest level. So for us, it will be very important for us to go back to grassroots school, football, clubs and all of that. Bring legislature there. There's, there needs to be more structure. There needs to be more funding. There needs to be resources and access to those resources. And in saying that also, there needs to be consistency in supporting those structures because you can't do it in one year. Now we've qualified. Then the following year, we just leave, leave it like that. But now I'm already looking at a group of players that I need to start looking at for the next qualifiers and World Cup. And those girls are 13, 14 now which means they'd be probably 16 by the time we go to the next World Cup. So it it is very important for us to look at it that way, to say, let's plan better. Let's be prepared for competition. You know, when they say to you, you must be ready for an opportunity when it comes, you must always be gun blazing so that when I'm ready to take a shot, you are there. You are not still loading your gun. So that's that's basically what we should be doing as South Africans to say, let's go look for that talent, nurture it as long and and eloquently so because we mustn't just do it to tick a box that is also what's very important because i find when we're just doing things to tick a box we rush the process you want results now you only started now you want results now so that is the one thing that puts us under pressure and i'm i'm i'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, uh, consistency because i think one thing that we can run away from is the fact that there are no shortcuts Development is important. You cannot expect a national team to perform at its best when there is zero development or no investment in development. Yeah, it, it, it it's pointless because if you are just coming in and saying, let's go and compete or else you are not preparing those players, those teams to compete at the highest level regularly, then it's impossible. Because if you go to Europe, if you go to the USA already, there's structures of the under 10s, under 11s, under 12s, different ages groups because you are preparing them for the bigger competitions and the bigger structures that are waiting for them where you want them to excel. So it is very important for us to understand that if we don't expose our players and our teams to highest competitions, we will always be at the end of the at the bottom of the food chain because when trends change, when things become better and better, we are still trying to evolve and it will take a long time for us because we are missing out. I mean, we are growing older, we're losing talent along the way, and the process is just too slow for us because we are not exposing our players even as much to get them overseas at young age, you know. And we are not challenging our players enough as well to say demand excellence from an early age. That is what is also a struggle for us. We just do things as long as Nienzila, and it's not about that. It's about doing it properly because the end product you want it to be one to be proud about. And I mean, talking about exposure, you mentioned during an interview with Matthew for his book that at times you were playing two games a year. What exposure can you possibly get from that? You can't. You can't, honestly, because the game evolves. 
And while you go, you can train as much as you can, but if you are not training at the highest level, getting competition at the highest level, then you can demand excellence all you want, but the body, the mind does not get challenged to stimulate itself to be able to compete at the highest level. And that's what you want. Once a player is able to understand that I need to play week in, week out competitive highest competitions, then the body adapts. Then you challenge yourselves for better goals and all of that. Because with us having only an amateur league, it does not really do much for us. We can be as talented as we can, but the, 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 the progression is slow. I mean, right now we've got maybe 10 or more players that are overseas. I know three are in Houston Dash. One, uh, Leandra also just signed in Lithuania and we have another player in Finland. So, and the others are studying in the USA and playing in the leagues there. It's not enough. We've got more than 600,000 girls playing in South Africa week in, week out. And in those numbers, what is the competition level? You know, and if my daughter comes to me and says, I want to play football, firstly, I'd be looking at it and saying, where will it end for her? Does it mean that I have to now invest so much in her that I have to take her to different academies? Are they there? We only have one academy in South Africa, which is um, run by the South African Football Association. It's not enough. If you look at the boys' side, every club has an academy. Even well-known clubs or not so well-known clubs have academies. So we don't have so much structure. I know the in the under-17s, because now the crop of players that I have in the team is players that are so good because they are playing in the Sasso League. And as young as they are, the clubs are giving them an opportunity to train and play. It means they had been playing already at 9, 10, because most of them are 14, 15, and 16, those age groups. So it, it means that the clubs that are there and are doing it, it's not as rapid and it's not consistent because... Because they don't have so many resources to do that diligently so so that they can produce for the country. So it's not enough structures that are in place to push the women's game. So now when you look at the, 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 the football for men, every age group is represented at national level. How come we don't have a national women's team for the under 23? That is a good question um, because we miss out. The under 23 is a step that says you are just moving from youth and it's your transition going into senior level and it's a great platform, you know. So I think, um, as we go on, because I know the National League kicks off in 2019, I'm hoping that we could get to that level as well. Because the other thing is that funding, funding, funding and more funding is needed because you would have so many teams. How will they be funded? That is also another thing. So right now we only have under 17 and the 20 and Banyana Banyana still in that there isn't enough resources. So corporate South Africa should be starting to say, let's invest in women's football, just like we are doing in the men's game. I'll give you an, ex- an example. If I'm a woman and I go to build it, for example, and I buy and I buy material and all of that. You'd find a men's tournament that is sponsored by Build It. Who are the consumers of those material, for example? Hmm. All of us are. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, I mean, Spa is doing that for netball and hockey. And you'd want to see more people coming on board because all of us are consumers. I mean, for example, alcohol brands and all of that. It's not only our male counterparts that consume those brands, but also women 
consume those brands. So it shouldn't be when we give 10 rands to the men's, we must just share two rands. If we put down 10 rands for the men's game, 10 rands should be put for the women's game. We play the same amount of time on the field. We share the same struggles. It might be the levels are different, but all of us have the same sacrifices. And our, I think also for women, it's even more tougher because you find us that we, you have to be in school, you have to work, you have to play. It's too much already there. Whereas with the guys, they only play and they don't have to worry so much about school because they are earning enough and all of that. Some have personal development and they say they still want to go to school and do that. It's good. And I'm not saying it's not good for the girls to be going to school, to be going to work and also play football, but it's too much on them. Let's study, go to, uh, let's study, go play football and have an opportunity to go to the next level. Because for me, they go hand to hand. I always say it's the books and the boots then it's endless opportunities. But those endless opportunities are not coming thick and fast. It's slow. And I mean, I take it like me. I retired at 27 already. Somebody says it's two young years, but passion doesn't pay the bills. Just as it is. Profound. But it's as simple as that. And yet you get some of the Bafana Bafana players earning 200000 a month. What was the, are you in a position to tell us the highest salary was at Banyana Banyana compared to Bafana Bafana? <laughs> with with us there's no salary no salary no, no, no not no. even basic no there's there's no salary you see um in football in the national teams it's not the same as uh in a club because in a club you are guaranteed a person has signed a contract they are there for however many months or years they're in the team so it's calculated in that but with the national teams obviously there's an allowance there there's a winning bonus and all of that so that is the difference when you're in the national team merely because there's always changing of players and all of that I don't know maybe in the future there will be better ways of looking at it and like I say the biggest um, motivator to change is accessibility of resources and it being funding and sponsorship because I know Sasol is doing their utmost best to make sure Banyana is at the next level because I was saying the other day it has changed our lives and taken our careers to the next level and that is Sasol on its own. If another sponsorship would come in and say on top of what Sasol is doing, let's add more then it means the women's game and the women will be motivated even more because the rewards would be something you see because Njenga Manje, it's hand to mouth it's not enough it's not enough because i i mean <laughs> i studied and i had to pay for my own fees at some point and it's 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 difficult i must just put it out there it's difficult so whenever i see banyana banyana on that field i have the utmost respect for them because so many sacrifices that they have to do to make sure they are on that field playing and performing at the highest level and still taking care of their business being on the field being in class or being at work to make sure that we make ends meet you know i think um i i would put a challenge up to you and say you know as the as as the coach of the under 17 uh, national team uh, you should approach some of these um you know well to do well run jse listed companies especially the ones that are led by women i think you should start there that's something you should you. consider yeah. you should really put them on the spot because m- 
I'm sitting here. Obviously, I've never played before. Obviously, okay, I play father side. Do you remember that game? Yes. That you, you, I, I was supposed to rec- recruit you for that, big, but obviously, people were going to r- recognize you, and I think they would have banned you from from playing because you know they wouldn't have allowed any professional players, especially your caliber. You know, it would have been cheating. We're going to talk about age cheating <laughs> later on, and as far as soccer is concerned. But yeah, so now you mentioned a national league. Next year, is that a professionally run women's league in South Africa? Um, I don't think it would be as professional yet. Um, because like I say, a stumbling block is always the resources and the funding, you know. So, um, we are just waiting to hear. I know that, uh, Umamri Alidava is going around the country with, uh, workshops. And speaking to the people and getting a feel from them, what are, what are their thoughts, you know, clubs and all of that. And I know there's a meeting today as well and tomorrow, but it's a start. I know she's doing a lot to make sure that uh, that gets off the ground because I think it's been long overdue, you know. So in due process, I think we will find out from her and her team to say, and from the South African Football Association to say, this is how it's going to be run and these are how um, clubs will be in there. But in, in an nutshell of what has been put out there is that there's going to be 12 teams there, nine in uh, different provinces that will win playoffs from the Sasol League, um, adding Sundowns and Bloemfontein Celtics because they already have PSL teams and they are the brainchild there as well. And the winner of the university uh, club championships then will add to make it 12. So um, for now, that's that's how the structure is going to be. And then, like I say, we'll just have to wait and hear how everything will be run. And is it going to be a semi-professional, is still a semi-amateur, or how is it going to be run? Because it's still a national league. So we'll just wait and hear how everything pans out. Is that a possibility in your lifetime? I know you're hoping for it. It is, because I know um I've been... Uh, you know, uh, part of the process a bit to see and hear, you know, and express my views as well there. And I think it is going to kick off uh, because, like I say, right now, uh, Umamriel Daba is going around the country to meet with uh, stakeholders. And we know the stakeholders of football is the people, the clubs, you know, to say the people that are involved in women's football, to say what are their thoughts and how is the plan coming along and how is it going to be you know implemented going forward so we are looking forward to see that because it would be a great deal for women to to be in spaces where they are seen having professional careers it's been long it's been long most of us have retired and we're doing other things and and something needs to give at some point something needs to give and in that also i think I was speaking to um, one of the senior directors at the University of Pretoria, who is Nom to say, she was saying that if legislation would say a certain portion in companies and all that should be going to women in sport, women's football, it should be put there because if I just go to a company, I can't force them, you know, to invest. But if they see and they are honest with themselves to say, but why are we not supporting there, you know? And it's not just the women that are in those big positions, but everybody, because we know who are the decision makers there. So as, as much as its deals are, are sealed on the tables and the golf courses and all of that, women's football needs to be on the cards. Women in sport needs to be on the cards because we are really sleeping on the talent in South Africa.
which is very sad. It is truly sad. I mean, you must give kudos to women such as Riyadh Dwaba, right, for, for the efforts that they're putting in to push for a professional league. I'm hoping that's going to happen. So now, 63 caps for Banyana Banyana, including a goal. I could place a bet using Matthew's kidney that you could beat Bafana Bafana. <laughs> you can't compare the two for simple reasons. We know our position as women in football. They know their position as men in football. It's never a competition between the two. And I think the minute people would understand that comparing the two would never take us anywhere, but instead... We are here to complement the two. If I'm a woman and I say I look at a man and I say I just want to compliment you and let's bring change. Let's add value to what is already there. And it's all about the treatment. You know, if you treat women's football or women in sport with respect, because if I look at tennis, if they say they're paying them the same amount, there's a level of respect there to say we respect your talent, your hard work, your hustle. So you deserve to be paid equally. You know, you deserve to get the same uh, exposure because you are doing the same exact spot and you are competing as women. You are competing as men, but it's the sport and it brings money. You know, so for me, it's it's understanding a point. Your Guti, people need to understand Guti. We are not. We shouldn't be begging. We deserve it as much as they look at men and say they deserve this X amount of money. The same should be done for women in sport. You know, so um, once that point is taken across and people in decision making positions are able to be fair enough and say, why not? Th- that's what I want to know. Why, why not? I wish I could sit down with all of them and ask why not. Because if they say women in sport doesn't bring numbers, doesn't bring all of that. I'll give you a typical example. You look at the USA national team, women. They are more successful than the men's national team. They've won World Cups. They've won the Olympics. They had every World Cup. They had every Olympic and they bring in so much more. Their games are watched more than the men's team. And they still don't get equal pay as the men. So tell me then, when you say to me that you need to get results, you need to get all of that first. Here's a very simple example. And there's countries that are becoming better, you know, and they are saying there's clubs out there in in England where they are saying we pay our players the same. The men's get paid the same as the women's. And some of the countries, they even forfeit their salaries to say, you can take our salaries and pay the women. Mm, you've got a point there. That's and something. You've got a point. And speaking of results, I mean, you say, you know, the sponsors talk about results left, right, and center. But Manabafana hasn't produced results in ages. Moving along. You have ambitions to coach in the USA. Is it because they take women's football more seriously? There's bigger and better opportunities there. There's the professional league there and they've done it all the years. They've done it, you know, and I think I'm more interested about their development, you know, how they are developing their players and how they have set up programs, whether it's in at university level, whether it's at club level, but they have got bigger and better structures. And that's why you'll always find excellence in that USA team. And, That's the hunger I have, 
you know, and it's not that Europe is not big enough or it's not good enough for me, but my eye is mostly on the US because there's so much there. And for me, it's about personal development. It's about growing and saying, if I go there and I get that exposure, how bad do I come back and say, South Africans, I've learned and I've seen this from where we are. Let me add a bit of my two cents so that we can move in a particular direction. Or if already we are moving in a particular direction, can I add my two cents? You know, And all of that, I'll be able to do it with getting more experience. I mean, going to the World Cup now, I'm coming in as a baby in the World Cup as a coach, you know. I'm not going there to be naive, but I'm going there to see coaches. I've go- I'm going there to learn and be better, challenge myself and see what are the trends? How are the coaches, you know, behaving at that level, you know, with their teams, with other colleagues and all, and all of that. And for me, it's always about growth. I can't just box myself and say I've qualified for the World Cup and then it ends there. The sky's the limit. I want to hit that roof and go beyond. So for me, it's, it's all about those challenges. And I can't really um, move away from the fact that overseas there's more opportunities and accessibility to those opportunities is a more real thing than us where we have to fight so much. I think I'm tired of fighting so much. I just want to work. I just want to roll up my sleeves, have that opportunity to work, be that transformation agent, be the change agent with people that see potential in us as women in sport. Well, it's a pity we're going to be losing you to the U.S. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully somebody sees your worth and, you know, makes a way to keep you right here because we, we, we need you. South Africa needs you. So now in 2013, you lived in Holland for four months to do your UEFA B license. I mean, the course was taught in Dutch. I don't know how you managed that. I mean, I'm sure it would have been difficult in English, let alone in a different language. So you had to tackle the language first before you could tackle your course. And prior to that, you also did your CAFB license with an all-male ex-professional group and you still came top of your class. Hmm. For me, it's like I say, it's never about competition and saying I'm with the men, I need to show them. For me, it's about showing up. You know, when I'm in that space and I'm given an opportunity, and that's me, you know, and, and I never do it to say, mm, I'm the first one to do this, but I do it so that I'm able to say, how can I empower the next person? And for me, I always demand excellence for myself and excellence might not be the best for someone else, but I would have given my all. And that's how I went into that course. And I said, I'm going to learn as much as I can from these guys. They've played the game at the highest level. They've done it all. And let me tap into the space and see what is their thinking? How do they see things, you know? And also not to just sit and be absorbing so much, but to assess myself also and put myself in spaces where I know what I'm doing and I'm going to prove to me that I'm capable more than capable to lead in that space where it's male dominated, you know? So for me, it has always been that, and that actually helped me and propelled me to be able to say, when I go to the Netherlands, because also there it was only two women in, in that UEFA B class and still there for me, it was the same. It was not an unfamiliar territory where I feel like, Oh, there's so many men. Will I be? No, no, it's never about competition, but it was how do I complement whatever that is there, you know. So going to the Netherlands and it was in their coldest winter. So getting up in the morning to go to a session, getting up in the morning, um, you know, trying. You must know I'm nervous. I'm in, in in a different country and I'm trying to coach and I'm trying to speak. I'm trying to find that easy English word and there's 
Dutch Afrikaans running in my head, but it was a prolific experience because, um, it just said to me, it qualified me that I belong anyway. I'm a global citizen, you know, and it, it, I'll always say things like these validate my dreams and say to me, it's possible. I am possible, you know, so being there and learning as much as I can was, was great for me it took my career to the next level because it changed it didn't change but it helped me look at football in a global scale it helped me to challenge myself and say wow actually we are at this stage in South Africa and the rest of the world thinks this way because the Netherlands you know they're always in top 10 in the world male and female and for me, it was a great platform to be there, get the exposure. And it was tough. Sometimes I would fail, um, but I would always bounce back and say, how do I become better? What needs to happen? You know, traveling and moving from one space to another where you go watch a match, analyze a match there, and you are writing, it's cold. But it was all worth it, you know, because the beauty of it also was that we had a, an instructor there who uh, spoke English. So whatever that the recap from class, he would go through that, the material, you know, the content there in, in the theory and all of that, it helped having him there to explain a lot of the things, you know. And when I came back, I was saying some of the things in Dutch and my players would be like, Coach Tin, I'm like, okay, I'm so used to saying <laughs> such a word. And they became a norm because in the club then they knew when I said this, then it means the coach is good, you know. And I brought back a lot of experience that I gained there and it helped me even to date I still go back to my notes I still go back to the things that I learned and say where am I now because the beauty of being a student of the game is that you never see challenges but it's always how do I overcome that you know I'm solution driven and I know some people will tell you, Guti, when you go, I mean, football, if you are able to coach, it's fine. Education is important because you have a different perspective. You become solution driven. You look at challenges and you say, how can I put myself in there and make the situation better or work to my advantage? And that's football. If a team comes with three, five, two, you say, okay, let me go with four, four, two. Let me put them under pressure. And it, you can think about it, but now how do you put the point across to your players how do you put it on the field for them to understand and see it for them to execute it you know so you have to go to those courses you have to share knowledge with the other coaches challenge yourself and see yourself going further and further and continue to invest in your career yes like you said be the student of the game i love that Oh, I, I could listen to you all day. <laughs> now, talking about investing in your career, is your pro license the next thing to do? Yes, definitely. I want to do my pro license and I still want to get my UFIA and even get a pro license um, in terms of the UEFA badges because I know it will take me to the next level. I mean, if I'm looking at where I am now, you know, I still don't know half of how a pro license coach thinks or how he child. I mean, I'd love to be at a space where I look at Pep Guardiola and I'm like, yes, I'm part of that. You know, I had an opportunity to be in a space with Vera Bao, um, and the amount of knowledge that she has, she 
analyzes matches she coaches she does so much in terms of the game you know nutrition everything so lucky for me i studied sports science and that came in handy for me because if a fitness trainer comes and says this this i'm able to challenge and say no it doesn't work it has to be this way because i know what i'm talking about so it is important for us to always empower ourselves and challenge ourselves because we are dealing with bodies we are dealing with people here one mistake that child collapses and dies because i didn't give her enough rest because i wasn't aware that she's got a cold and she can't train at such temperatures you know adaptation and all of so it's it is very important for us as coaches not to take this lightly and say no i've played the game before i understand it it's okay i can just go in no because at some point you need to also manage players and managing players is not easy because you are managing people you know, and these people is players that must always be happy because they will produce results for you. So it's, it's a, it's an ongoing process. Sometimes chips are down. How do you get the team up as well? So at the level where I'm coaching, it's challenging me so much because I'm dealing with teenagers and girls. So <laughs> double, double, double trouble, you know, yeah. And I'm sure in your career now it helps that you've got a sports science degree, right? It does help a lot. It does help because I'm able to break things down for players and say the reason why we are saying you can't eat certain types of food, it's because you don't benefit from just eating chocolate. It takes your energy up, comes back down. I only have you for warm up and that's it. I need you for 120 minutes. These are the energy uh, uh, systems that you need and how do you fill those energy systems, you know? So um, it is. it, it came in handy for me because... Um, l- if you look at a team, pre-season, you know, periodization is things that you learn about, you know, and the body, muscles, you know, everything comes together because I can't be making kids run up the hill the whole day and then the next day I want them to be alive and kicking. It's impossible. The rest is part of training. And if you don't understand the technicalities of the human body as a coach, then you have a problem because... It means you'll be demanding so much from players, but you won't be understanding how can the output output be better. So it's it takes a lot. It's a lot of work, but I love it because it's something that I'm passionate about, and my purpose is to you know serve in the game of football, and that's why for me. If you, you say anything about football, I'm there, my eyes pop, you know. I always say I learned everything with the ball on my feet because that same football has helped me to travel the world. It has helped me to, to meet people. I met you. I remember. You know, 20, 2010. 2009 when I did oh, the World yes. Cup draw, you yes, know, yes. and it's football. You see, when I say football has really opened channels for me, it's exactly that because through football, I managed to get a scholarship and study. Through football, I managed to meet people. Through football, I think I'm where I am today because of football. I can't imagine myself sitting in an office and operating from there. It's unfamiliar territory for me. You know, the four white lines, that's my office for me. And I chose that. And I think it chose me as well. So it it, it goes hand in hand, you know. Um I guess it's it's always passion versus purpose. You know, that passion is what drives me to say, and it reminds me to say, your purpose is, you know, adding value to people through football. I love that you're an all-rounder. You're an asset. I think I said that already, <laughs> right? Thank you. Okay, let me move along. I've, I'm, I've, I think I've given you too many compliments today. <laughs> I can take them. My tank doesn't get full. I can see that. I can see it. <laughs> so now on, on Women's Day... 
our eldest son, who's 13, he was playing for the under-15 Gauteng Development League against Fairfield Academy. It was discovered at halftime that Fairfield had fielded older boys. I remember after the game, Nathan saying to Matthew, Daddy, the goalkeeper looked like someone with three kids. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> this was the conversation in the car, Shame. and I didn't know whether to laugh or feel sorry for him. And I mean, we all know that last week it was revealed that uh, the MRI scan revealed 15 out of 40 Nigerian players who were called up for the under-17 national team had forged their birth certificates. Now, as a coach, what is your opinion on age cheating? It makes me so angry because I know that it denies the team that is eligible an opportunity to go and compete at the highest level. And it's really uncalled for because then it takes the development backwards. Kids that are at the right age and are performing at the right age are denied an opportunity to go compete against players that are the same age as them. You know, I mean, um, and a pity is that it's always caught when the damage is done. That's a pity. And there's nothing you can do about it at that particular time. So for me, it's really uncalled for and it's unfair. And it, I mean, it makes me so angry. I, For the first time, I can't really talk much because, I mean, we see it. But sometimes you can't prove it. And I think for the boys game, it's even better because they can test on the MRI scan and see the bone density and all of that. But with the women, it's difficult. You can't really see it, you know. I mean, we've been on the field. Even when I was playing, we've been on the field and you look at this player and you can tell, no, 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 no. This person, no. Lama wrinkles, lawa. This is someone's Mm-mm. aunt. No, no, no. <laughs> but you can't prove it. Yeah. Yes, we are built in different statures, especially women and all of that. And I mean, uh, countries that are North Africa and all of that, we know that West Africa, their built is different. It's like in South Africa, when you know people from Limpopo would be different from people that are born and bred in, in, in Gauteng, people that are from KZN and all of that, the stature is different, but you can tell when a person is physiologically at that age and all of that. It's just unfortunate that with the women's game, we can't test it. And I think once that is found out, associations must be banned for life. They must be banned for life because imagine all the damage that they've done throughout the years, for example, and they were never caught. They've won championships, whoever, whichever country they've won championships and they've won so much and they've let their rightful players, teams, uh, not to qualify. They've denied them that opportunity. So for me, Really, they should be banned for life. That's it. Cheating is cheating. They mm. should be banned for life. I'm glad you said that. Because, I mean, for me, I think it was what was infuriating as a parent was that, you know, I was thinking to myself, these boys are under 15. You know, the, the, the other coach who's allowing for, for, for them to play with boys that are 13, 14, and some of these boys were like 17, 18. What are you teaching them? A coach is supposed to be in a, a position of leadership. So you're basically te- teaching them that, it's okay to cheat. Yeah, you are basically saying to them you can cheat your way through life. And it's 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 unfair. Like I say, also the other big challenge is that as coaches in youth football, some of us are looking at the results. At youth football you can't be result orientated. When I say I've I've gotten results at 
in youth football, it's making sure that the players progress in their game. They become better. They are able to read the game better. They are able to play with each other. They understand that now we are competing. Because if you look at uh, long-term athlete development, it tells you that the players are training to train. They are learning to train. They are uh, training to train. They are training to compete. You know, not winning then training to win is a different stage. And that is when you move from youth to being an adult. That's when you are training to win. Because if we could start understanding the concept of in youth football, the growth of the game is what is important, not the result as much. Yes, we are playing. We want to qualify. We want to win. But the biggest winner there should be are the players getting time to play are they enjoying what they are doing because that's where they get the development space right and once you are denying the other players that opportunity it means you are saying that do away with development and it does not make sense for me so at that level coaches at youth we need to understand that the results the only results that we need to be chasing after is to making sure that the game grows the players understand they grow in the game they're able to demand more from themselves they enjoy they develop you know and like i say i'll always repeat this to say obviously in the national teams and all of that you'd want Results, Because if I play against another country and I don't win, then I don't get to qualify for the World Cup. But the core is that what you, once you get that cycle right, results that are winning will come in handy there. But we can't be missing those critical steps. Mm, I hope the right people are listening. I'm going to make sure they do. So now you, you spoke briefly about Babalo, your daughter. Baby panda, as you call her. <laughs> so now, if she showed an interest in football, would you try and, you know, convince her otherwise to other sporting coaches, given the current, you know, scenarios in women's football in South Africa? <laughs> I, I am jealous, um, because I, I wanted to face different challenges, but the biggest thing as a parent that I needed to understand is that my mom, um, did not understand me playing football and I still ran from her and went and played football. So the same might happen if I stop her from playing football. The biggest thing that I need to understand and do for her is to make sure that I expose her to as much as I can, whether she's doing ballet, swimming, whatever, I will expose her and take uh, what she loves and then nurture her through that, you know? Um, and if she was to choose football, I think the coach that would be coaching her would have problems because I'd be a helicopter mom. <laughs> I'd be running there telling him, you are not coaching these kids properly. So they'd be chasing me away from the stands all the time because I would know better. Mm. And then they would chase me away, you know. And so it, it, it would be something that I would have to learn to say if she chooses football and she's not coached by me. In that club, I must take her to a club where I know and I'm sure and I'm certain they will coach her properly and make sure that she doesn't skip steps of, you know, development because it is, it is very important. I know what it would mean if she was to get proper coaching from an early age, then her future would, I'm not saying she would be a prolific footballer, but I would want her to be exposed to better, to quality at whatever that she'd be doing. Even at ballet that I don't understand, I'd still be asking questions. But is this right? Is this, what else do we, do we need to do? Um, I, I think I'd be that type of parent because I always demand more from people and she would have problems if she would play football because I'd be telling her, you didn't pass the ball right. Mm, that'd be pressure. 
you know so mm, okay. because naturally i know i'm like that no at least at least you've walked you've walked the path or should i say you know run ran english you ran the path yeah mm, let's move along <laughs> <laughs> now tell me more about this imperial lulu foundation so the imperial lulu foundation was established in 2017 um we haven't done much so ma- uh, so far i'm the one that's doing foundation stuff where i'm going speaking uh to kids and schools and and giving talks um basically the imperial lulu foundation is aimed at empowering women making sure that we find resources for them because i think i want to be the difference between a child her dream and resources so i want to bridge that gap and be able to say to her it's possible and how do i do that i'd want them to worry about performing more than do i have soccer boots do i have shin pads do i have undergarments do i have um you, you know proper nutrition and all of that. So the Simpia Lulu Foundation is aimed at doing that and making sure that we bridge the gap, you know, and the biggest driving force there is that we want to expose these girls to bigger um, spaces, not just in football education wise as well. I mean, one of my biggest dream with the foundation is to be at the airport and be sending off these kids overseas, wherever, whatever that they want to do. It might be football. It might be something else, but I just want to be the difference, you know, in making sure that that child, her dreams do, come true Mm. kudos to you thank you now your advice to a young girl who's probably in primary school they don't know where to start how to go about finding a club to train and to play what's your advice my advice to them is that uh the biggest thing is that kids these days have access to cell phones data internet and all of that there's always somebody that you can ask there and I, I've come across a lot of girls that would ask, is there a club here? Is there, I come from this place and I'm able to refer them to say, go to this place, go to that place. Even boys teams, they should be going there and challenging those clubs to say, I'm a girl and I want to start playing football. How do I go about? Because you can't sleep on your talent first. The biggest thing is that if anyone should believe in you and what you want to do is yourself and how you start is very critical. The energy that you put in there is very important because then you'll be the one that goes back to the drawing board and saying, I said I wanted to do this. If you need help, you'll be asking people and saying, I want to play football. I already have this. I don't have this. How do I go about? Because that way your dreams will always remind you to work harder. You know, so to a young Simpio out there, I'm saying to her, never ever give up, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much uh, society wants you to conform and be what they want you to be, always refuse and stay true to yourself. You know, chase anything and everything that is out there in the universe because it has no one's name on it. Go there, claim it and put your name on it and keep polishing it as much as you can. Work on that craft. God has given you that talent. So use it as much as you can. Only you can do it that way. Mm. Wow. Phew, yeah, you're a fountain of, um, of, of wisdom, you know. Um, so now I'm going to read out a few names and you have to give me one word. One word and we'll move along. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Salimata. <laughs> is that a word? Yo? One word. That's a woman's name, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. Sally Mata. One word. Guinea. Yo. Is that your word? Yeah. Okay. Amanda- nightmare. Uh, nightmare. Okay, that's a word. Amanda Lamini. Excellence. Desrealis. Power. 
Vera Power. Power. Ria Ludwaba. Elegance. Mato Madlala. Strength. Jessica Mutaung. Boss. Natasha Chiklas. Commander. Carol Shabalala. Mm. Boss lady. Akona Makalima, one word. Boss ladies, two ladies who so will take boss. Okay. Akona Makalima. Triumph. Cheryl Waters. Mm. Mentorship. Pusha Mudise. Different. Okay. Queen of Spy 2. Congratulations on your nomination for Coach of the Year for the Gauteng Sports Awards. It was such a joy to have you on the opinion booth. Time is gone. Can you believe it? An hour is up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. <laughs> My <laughs> humble opinion, after all, this is the opinion booth, and these come in the words of Simpiwe Juju. Never put an expiry date on your dreams. Aspire to inspire before you expire. This is CliffCentral.com.